Good morning, family, friends, and guests, and welcome to our 22nd pastoral anniversary. Here are our morning announcements. First, we would like to invite you to come to our drive-through food distribution Saturday, March the 20th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. We thank you so much for your canned food donations this past Saturday, and we cannot wait to bless our community with them. We will be having our weekly prayer meeting on Wednesday at 6 p.m. and the virtual adult Bible study Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. We will also be going into our Sunday school sessions on the weekends. Our young adult session with our youth as well are Saturdays at 10 a.m. and the adult Sunday school is every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. We thank you so much for joining us this morning and hope that you like the rest of service. Here are some congratulatory messages to our pastor. We thank you so much for all of your service. Hello, Dr. Reverend James Murphy Jr. This is the Purcell family. We're just reaching out to you. want to thank you for all that you do. This is for you. Hit it, baby. <laughs> I want to thank you for your encouraging words. I'd like to also thank you for sharing the word and also being there for us, especially when we first started our business, PSI Cleaning and Restoration. And we want to wish you a happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Pastor Murphy, First Lady Murphy, Tasha, Ethan, Abby, and Mocha. The Vincents want to wish you many more happy, wonderful years to come. Uh, Pastor Murphy, uh, Deacon Crockett here. I uh, just want to wish you a happy 22nd anniversary at Great Little Zion Baptist Church. Uh, we met um, there at the same time you were interviewing for the for the position, and we were visiting. Uh, uh, Charlene. And I said, I like that brother that preached, didn't know who you were. We came back to me, you were in and small. So, in two years, a great little sign. God bless you. Pastor Murphy, Deacon uh, Winley, uh, happy 22nd anniversary. I just want you to know that you have been a rock. We appreciate you. We love you. Uh, 
we thank God for you, and we're hopeful that uh, you continue to be the lead that you are. And from the Deacons Ministry, we just uh, wish you all the best. I just want to say thank you, Pastor Murphy, for all that you have done, and thank you for the 22 years of blessing, and many more. And I just want to chime in and say thank you, Pastor, for your services, thank you for your guidance, thank you for your leadership. We continue to seek and and admire all of that you continue to grow. As you grow, we grow also. And we just continue to look forward to being there as deacons, serving together to spread the gospel as Zion can do best. We thank you and we ask you to continue to have more of God's strength to keep studying the word and keep delivering to us. Thank you and, and God bless. Pastor Murphy, uh, Al Mosley, uh, Care Group 4. Uh, from Al Mosley, from myself and the Mosley family. Uh, congratulations on your 22nd uh, pastoral anniversary. Uh, we certainly wish uh, more anniversaries for you and for your family. Thank you for all of the uh, your great teachings and your preachings, and most importantly as well, your, your leadership in leading Zion along the way and for sure uh, well into the future. And so we thank you once again and uh, God bless you and your family. Pastor Murphy, thank you so much for all that you have done for us. You have taught us a lot, and we appreciate it to the highest. My mother's terminology. Appreciate it to the highest. May God continue blessing you. Pastor Murphy, this is Deacon O'Neill. Thank you for leading the way and for the 23 years of dedication service. We thank God for sending you to us. We surely appreciate your devotion, your dedication, your love, your spirit, your teaching. Also, I would like to leave you with this inspiration. Our pastor is a man of God who led by him above. His mind is full of wisdom. His heart is filled with love. We are so thankful he's been called to spiritually lead our flock. His goal is our salvation, our pastor, our friend, our rock. May God continue to bless you and your family. This is from Deacon O'Neill and my husband, Percy. Hey, Pastor Murphy, uh, Deacon Parson here. Um, just wanted to wish you a happy anniversary, happy 22nd anniversary uh, from the Parson family. And uh, I can say, Pastor, that I have um, been very thankful over the years to call you a friend and thank you for your friendship, your leadership, your teaching and preaching. It has benefited us all, and, and we greatly appreciate it. We pray that you will continue to have many more um, blessed anniversaries, Pastor, and we just pray that you will continue to stay encouraged, continue to preach the word, and teach as God has led you. God bless. Congratulations, Pastor Murphy, on your 22nd anniversary. I just want to thank you for being our, the pastor of Greenland Zion. I want to thank you for all the word that you have taught and everything that you have done for Great Old Zion. Continue to preach the word of God. Uh, thank you for being there for me and my family. Uh, all praise and honor that God. Uh, may he continue to bless you and your family. Uh, Deacon Piles, uh, thank you, Pastor. Grace and peace from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dr. Murphy, my brother, my friend, I wanted to add my voice to the countless number of others that will be wishing you well during this anniversary season. Happy anniversary, my brother. I'm grateful to God for you. I'm grateful to God for your friendship. I'm grateful to God to be able to call you a brother. I'm grateful for the work that you're doing, not only at Greater Little Zion, but the impact that you've had on the greater kingdom at large. Hey, man, enjoy the season. You deserve it. And I pray the Lord's richest blessings upon you. Have a great day, my brother. Hey, Pastor Murphy. On behalf of the Youth Ministry and the Greater Little Zion production team, I just want to say thank you so much for all of your guidance, for all of your help, and just for always supporting everything that we do. Um, I also just want to say thank you on a personal level. You have blessed me beyond measure, and I could never, ever, ever thank you enough for being the amazing pastor that you are today. I hope that we continue to grow and glow like you challenged us in the year of 2020, and I hope that we continue to just restore and continue to recover throughout this year. 
thanks again for the amazing messages, the amazing guidance, and the amazing wisdom that you continue to give me, my team, and my youth leaders every single day. Thanks. Love ya. Hi, Pop. Hi, Dad. We wanted to stop in and wish you a wonderful, happy 22nd anniversary. And we wish desperately that we could be there with you today. Like Abby said, of course, we wish we could celebrate, but we're so happy that you made it to number 22. I know it's been at times a difficult time, and I know that it's been in many ways a long 22 years, but in other ways, it seems to have gone by so quickly. And it's just a blessing to think that here you are now, year 22. I'm sure the year doesn't look like what you may have imagined, but it's still such a blessing to be where you are. And we are so happy that we can celebrate with you and be a part of the celebration, even though we're a few miles away. So once again, happy anniversary and we love you. Good morning, Great Little Zion. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad within it. Today is a special day for us. This is the 22nd pastoral anniversary of our sharing together as pastor and people. And my family and I certainly want to thank you for the privilege of serving this congregation for these past 22 years. And to help us celebrate this grand moment, I am so delighted that our guest preacher this morning is one of the most prolific preachers in this country, and that being the Reverend Dr. William H. Curtis. Dr. Curtis is the past president of the Hampton University Ministers Conference. He is the pastor of the Mount Eric Baptist Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He is a celebrated father and husband he is recognized across the country as one of the most sought after preachers. He also is an entrepreneur in his business that serves as church consultants in the realm of technology. He is just a wonderful, wonderful young man that God has tremendously blessed. And what can you say? He is a member of the Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. But most importantly, he's a preacher of the gospel and we are so elated to have him join us today. So if you would join in with me in celebrating the preaching moment of our guest preacher, the Reverend Dr. William H. Curtis, pastor of the Mount Eric Baptist Church, hear ye him as God speaks through this man of God. Amen. Well, I want to express my congratulations and well wishes to Dr. James Murphy as he celebrates this 22nd pastoral anniversary for the great people of Greater Little Zion, it's my honor to spend this worship time with you and to study together with you and to celebrate the word of God for being a faithful pastor, particularly through these trying pandemic times. You are worthy of every piece of celebration that will be heaped upon your life, and I pray that it will be an encouragement to your heart. Happy 22nd Pastor Anniversary. But I know 
Well, I want to talk to you this weekend about managing life's irritations. It comes to us out of the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 15. And I want to read in your hearing verses 18 through 20. Herein lies the word of God. Because he, Samson, was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, you have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened the hollow place in Lehi and the water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called in Hakor, and it is still there in Lehi, managing life's irritations. I feel reading the story of Samson like I do watching the Showtime series, Your Honor, on Sunday nights. I sit on the edge of the sofa, nervous at every twist in character engagement. Every scene has adrenaline pumping drama associated with it. Every character is a strange mixture of virtue and inner conflict. When each episode ends, I am tired and exhausted like I've been literally racing and running behind each character. And I'm fussing at each one, warning them of the traps for the decisions they make. Don't, don't leave the scene of the crime like that. Just make the call, and when they answer, tell the truth. Don't reveal that to him. You can't trust her like that. Don't let them play you like that. Oh no, don't throw your life away, please. Well, this is about how I feel when I read Samson's story. It's sitting on the edge of the sofa kind of action. It's heart pounding drama. Samson makes decisions that incite you to want to holler at him. Samson, don't do that. Why did you say that? And are you really going to go down there? He is so gifted. He comes along during the time of the judges, that critical period between the death of Joshua and before the reign of King Saul. Samson is both judge and warrior. He, like the other judges, are not just known for the way they adjudicated matters related to Israel. They are also known for their spiritual authority that they exercise and the way God demonstrated his power through each one of them. For each one of them, the description is essentially the same. God had unique oil anointing flowing through them. And it was intended to dispense wisdom. It was so natural to them that they couldn't control when it turned on and when it turned off. It was sure needed too. Israel was having a terrible season of apostasy. It seems they were not just struggling with their relationship with God, but they were in essence renouncing their devotion to God who had been so good to them, protecting his interest in them, providing them with land and provision, production and protection. God was answering their prayers and bordering their lives with safety and security. However, instead of trusting God to advance the nation, they were fighting among each other, nearly wiping themselves out with all of this infighting, sliding daily further into idolatry and disbelief. And God, as he had done before, loosened the hedge of his protection that Israel has now taken for granted and a foreign oppressor blanketed the nation with attack and oppressed the people of God and in the grace and mercy of God. He exercised long suffering for his people and God just let the interest on grace accrue in the account until Israel finally cries out for deliverance. And in this period, God would raise up a judge like Samson to guide the people of God to turn back to the spiritual connection that ensured and guaranteed their freedom. 
Don't you want to be loved and protected, Israel? Don't you miss the power of the Spirit's presence at work among you, removing guilt and shame and restoring joy and affirming love? Don't you love that inner peace and mental assurance, the restoration that is awaiting you, the forgiveness that is always yours? Don't you want to live with that firm assurance that I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you? Well, this is the period of the judges, and at the end of chapter 14, we are then introduced to Samson. His life will be both celebratory and sad. He possesses amazing strength graced to him by God, but Samson also lives proving that the most gifted people are often the most conflicted people as well. Samson is the product of an environment plagued with doubt issues, so much so that even his own father, upon hearing the will of God for this son that would be born to him, his father actually prayed to God that God would come again and explain it to him one more time. His doubt gripped him so much so that he conditioned his acceptance of the very will of God on God's willingness to return and to rehearse his will one more time. Samson has this flowing through his veins. Samson takes a serious life and tries to joke his way through it. He very early on falls in love with these silly riddles and he risks his life way too many times just to relate to people through the silliness of these riddles. He's so defiant that even in the midst of being told the truth, he lets his strength weaken what ought to be his reliance on his own spirituality. And it gives him permission to marry who he shouldn't and to play around with his gifts in ways that puts his life in jeopardy. Took him a long time to value the sacred in his life. And I only tell you these things as introductory comments because Samson is so gifted, he is so strong, he is so necessary, and yet he is so conflicted and internally contradictory. And when we meet him in chapter 15, he's already gone down to a place called Timnah. He's become smitten by the daughter of one of the Philistines whose tribe he would never want to secure a wife from. He runs home. He tells his parents that's who he wants. And when they together go down there to work out the marital arrangements, Samson is attacked by a lion that he destroys with his bare hands. In fact, his strength is so God gifted to him that the text has to describe it like this. He tears the lion apart as one tears apart a young goat. And when he later sees the lion, he notices inside a swarm of bees and honey right in the carcass of the lion. Thus, the riddle he offers a little later, out of the eater came something to eat and out of the strong came something sweet. He offers this as his own at his own celebration and promises a handsome payout if anybody who hears it can solve the riddle. And while you're sitting on the edge of the sofa, holding your breath, trying to tell Samson, hey, Samson, slow your life down. Learn how to tap more than your brute strength and might. Live far more than for riddles. And while you're trying to calm yourself down and yet brace yourself for the thing that you know is about to happen, the scene now switches switches to the conversation between the Philistines who have been given this riddle and the bride who has arrested Samson's attention and they threaten her with the wiping out of her entire bloodline if she doesn't find out from her conflicted husband what the answer to this silly riddle is and she does. She cries for seven days straight when she should be celebrating her new marriage and Samson finally gives in and tells her and she reveals it. They solve the riddle and it causes Samson to go off 
goes down to a place called Eshkelon and kills 30 men, takes their clothes off of their dead bodies, goes back and pays the debt. And while he's gone, his new bride is given to his companion who also happens to be a dear friend. Drama, right? Soap opera, suspense thriller, nail biting. You're hoping this episode doesn't end here and forces you to wait until next week to see how this is going to unravel and how it's going to unfold. Samson finds out that his wife has been given to his friend and he goes off again catches 300 foxes, lights their tails on fire, turns them loose, torching the grain fields and the olive groves and the wine vineyards of the Philistines, only for the Philistines to then in response burn his wife and her family. Samson goes on a merciless tear, killing Philistines, the Bible says, without mercy. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. His own people try to work out a deal and negotiate a way to calm things down by giving Samson over to the Philistines. But when Samson is taken bound to the enemy, the power that the Lord gives him stirs up in him again. And he takes the jawbone of a donkey and he slays. 1,000 Philistines. What a whirlwind of adventure. I only mention all of this because I want you to sense the drama. Settle in to the non-ending drama and conflict. Samson has tension everywhere. He's internally conflicted. He is in tension with his own people. He's attacked by whole armies. He fights wild animals. He attacks and kills mercilessly. His wife and her family are burned to death. He's still being hunted. This is how people have mental breakdowns and hit the wall that separates rationality from irrationality. Some people are never able to return or resurface from this kind of emotional desert and with all of this high drama you wonder what will Samson pray to God about well maybe when he goes to God he'll spend some time and repent for letting all of this happen because his eyes took him where he didn't let his spirituality restrain him Maybe he will express to God how much he wishes he could control his inner rage and anger. All these people have died. All these foxes have been caught and burned. Surely he wants to express to God the guilt that he feels for his wife's family having been burned to death or the pain of listening to his own people negotiating for his arrest so that they can secure their own safety. Talk to God about the thousand men that you have slain and the distant place it took you to where you now hide the isolation you feel the inner conflict you are made to live with being so strong and yet so undisciplined so gifted and yet so reckless so anointed and so filled with rage these are real issues and then verse 18 Samson does pray but here is strangely what he prayed all this slaying, all this killing, all this lack of discipline, all this hunting, all this running. And Samson goes to God and says, hey, God, I'm thirsty. And after all I've been through and all these victories, you mean to tell me you're going to let me be taken by Philistines because I'm thirsty? Now, brothers and sisters, that amazes me that with all that we hear from Samson, with all the serious nature, these major agitations, we hear Samson praying about a minor irritation. An army is after you. Your people are negotiating you away from them. Your family has been burned. Lives have been lost. And instead of being stirred by these major agitations, your life is being manipulated by a minor irritation. Well, isn't that true for all of us at times? That if we're not careful, we can let life's little irritations become so prominent 
that we fail to think about or pray about or make decisions regarding the real serious threats in our lives. We can live avoiding making important decisions because we're distracted with these little irritations that keep way too much of our attention. Samson, you have killed foxes and slayed armies. You beat a lion, took the jawbone of a donkey and fought back a whole army. You can find your own water. But the little irritation of your personal thirst has made you ignore the big agitations that are brewing inside of you. I want to preach this weekend because we can avoid making important decisions living distracted by these little irritations, just irritated by the way a morning started for you. And we can't even see how blessed the whole day has been, just irritated. It's somebody's bad day that wasn't even including you, but the small way they encountered you has now derailed and destroyed your whole day. Irritated that you are days away from getting paid, but never distance from God supplying your every need, and yet your whole mood has been negatively affected by what you don't have, rather than to express the joy and gratitude and thanksgiving that God keeps making a way and keeps supplying your every need. Just irritated? Irritated about things that shouldn't even be that vitally significant to you just irritated at the one person who negatively commented on your social media post who doesn't know you who can't be positive if they focused on it and you become so irritated at them that it makes you forget the joy that made you want to post what you posted in the first place irritated Irritated that there's a fight over how to stimulate the economy and a debate over what to do with the one who incited the nation's insurrection, but we had no difficulty historically when concluding that Dr. King needed to be eliminated as a threat to the entire nation simply because in his prophetic stance he spoke out against our presence in Vietnam or George Floyd needing to be held down by a senseless knee on his neck until it robbed him of his very life or now for evangelicals to decry bowing at the altar of nationalism but you've been silent about the horror of American racism now you're mad over these little irritations but could never focus on the big agitations Samson has a whole lot he needs to talk to God about and he goes to God and complains that he's thirsty. I'm going to try to discipline myself this weekend from going in too many directions with this sermonic presentation. But here it is. Don't let what irritates you make you forget the things for which you need to be thankful. I thought about this when I jumped out of the truck to run into the convenience store to buy, of all things, a new toothbrush. And I walked up to the pharmacy door entrance and saw the sign that said I had to walk all the way over to the main entrance when I knew the toothbrush was literally right on the other side of the pharmacy sliding glass doors. I was irritated. Then I walked all the way over to the main door only to then remember that I left my mask in the truck just irritated. I turned around in my frustration, went all the way back to the truck on the other side of the parking lot, grabbed my mask, started my irritating fussing, only to be interrupted walking in to the store by God who said to me, now Bill Curtis, don't you let these minor irritations make you forget that you are walking with no interruption to your breathing. You're going in to get a toothbrush when there are swaths of your community who can't even buy bread. 
You are 10 months into a global pandemic that is soon to claim a half million human lives and you are still here. And you're going to let these irritations ruin your entire day? Well, can I tell y'all, my attitude changed immediately. Instead of being irritated, I walked into the grocery store singing, The Lord will make a way somehow. Can, can't see the blessings. Can't remain positive. Forgetting how much you're to be thankful for. Forgetting the vision can't see past today. You've got to learn how to manage life's little irritations so you can keep your strength to fight against life's major agitations and so you can always live with the thanksgiving on your lips. I wish I had you in the sanctuary so I can pause long enough to look you in your eye and to encourage you. Don't you let life's irritations make you forget that God woke you up this morning started you on your way I don't care that you have to walk with some stress I don't care that you have to deal with a whole lot of catastrophe and calamity aren't you glad that the Lord always makes you strong enough to handle exactly what the day pours out on you he gives you strength where you don't even know where it comes from and every time you need more you can always go to him and make a significant withdrawal don't get derailed by irritations that's what that that's what that text one of my favorite in all the scripture is what that text is implying when Jesus goes down there in Bethany and he stops at the home of Lazarus Martha and Mary and he's sitting there while Mary's at his feet and Martha becomes so irritated by so many little things, Jesus says, because Mary is doing the right thing. Well, what is the right thing? She's fighting back distractions. She's letting nothing interrupt her intimate time with me. She's making the choice as to what to do with her focus and where to channel her emotions. Martha, Martha, you so irritated by so many things. Mary is doing the right thing. I don't know who I'm talking to, and I'm almost done. But your struggle is not the big agitations you're dealing with. Your struggle is the small irritations you refuse to manage. You got to manage them so that you can enjoy God's big plans for your life. Here it is. The text is an encouragement to let your irritations be signals, but don't let them sabotage your whole life. I'll say it again. Your, your irritations are signals to you, but you can't let what is a signal sabotage your whole life. Let me, let me unpack it. Samson should have let his thirst that apparently was reaching a point of concern that he makes it a prayer priority but he should have let it signal him that he's been dealing with a whole lot in such a short period of time that he has neglected the maintenance of his own life. A lot of motion, a lot of menace, a lot of meetings, a lot of misery, a lot of distraction, a lot of death, a lot of disappointment, a lot of diversions. No wonder he's thirsty. He needs a break, but because he hasn't had a break, he ignores the major agitations inside his spirit and focuses on his minor irritation until it becomes the unnecessary content of his prayers. And when he should have been praying to God about why he keeps making these conflicting decisions. He instead is talking to God about how thirsty he is. He's thirsty. We, we can understand that. But his thirst should have indicated that he needed to make himself a priority for a minute. He had defied his parents, married a woman from among his people's enemies. He's killed men. He's been betrayed by a brand new wife. 
He set foxes on fire. He's burned wine vineyards, olive groves, grain fields. He's been bartered by his own people so that they can save themselves from pagan worshiping Philistines. He's killed attackers and slayed groups of fighting men, not to mention the lion that gave him the image for the riddle that starts all the drama. Samson needs to sit down somewhere. I know that doesn't sound super spiritual, but that's about as honest and transparent as I, as I can get. I'm trying to be as spiritually sophisticated this weekend. I'm trying to display my education and my intellect and my theological depth. But the best I can say about Samson is this. The reason that the minor irritations have gripped him is because Samson been so busy focused on the minor irritations that he's missed the internal major agitations and somebody needs to look at him and tell him, sit down. Let God recalibrate your internal space. Sit down, Samson. Your thirst was not an indication of what you should attempt to indict God about. Like God has been neglectful in his care for you, your thirst should have been a signal that you best get in God's presence as quick as you can and let God minister to you before you throw it all away. Access your call. Examine the condition of your gift. Look at your heart. Admit that you need transformation of the mind. Rehearse the vision for your life until it's plainly understood. Deal with the betrayal and the death of your wife and her family. Wash the blood off your hands. Thank God for the sparing of your life. After all these fights and battles and conflicts and confrontations, Samson, sit down and get yourself together. I feel like preaching here. That's, that's what you ought to be praying about. Your thirst is a signal, but don't let the signal sabotage your future. I don't know. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but the encouragement is the same for us. Don't let these minor irritations that you are accepting and absorbing morph into nothing more than signals. They may push you to pray, content some of what you ought to pray about, but don't let life's little irritations make you forget God's big plans for you. Because here's what is certain. God has something beyond your thirst. He can slake your thirst. But you have to manage your little irritations. Are y'all listening to me? Do, do, you, do, you know, do you know how many irritating moments are really satanic attempts to sabotage your life? Until you fail to pray about the real matters of your life. Do you know that the enemy would love for you to keep going to God talking about these peripheral, tertiary, superficial, non-essential, unnecessary irritations? You messing around so mad because of the way somebody on your job drinks their water or sips their coffee or chews their gum that you are missing that God's trying to deal with all the stuff going on inside of you that's making you hateful and angry walking around with a sad and scoured countenance. He wants to restore your joy. He doesn't care about somebody sipping their coffee or the way they chew their gum. He's trying to get to minister to you on the inside until you can walk around with a peace that surpasses all human understanding. You forget you forget to focus on the positive. Spend more time complaining than thanking. More time criticizing than appreciating. Look at all you have survived. Look at all the Lord has done for you. Look at how many sins he's forgiven and how many mistakes he's let you walk past. Look at how you have defeated things that should have taken you down, taken you out, taken you under. Look at the battle. That you've walked away from unscathed. God's been too good to you for you to be distracted by these little life irritations and be confused about God's greatness or his love concerning you. I was, I was, so, I was so initially irritated uh, March and April of 2020 when the pandemic was settling in. I was so irritated that all of my social connectivity had to be through Zoom meetings. I was so irritated. I would sign on looking like it too. I would sign on looking like I was irritated that I had to be on another Zoom. Can I tell you that 10 months later, I'd be so glad to communicate with anybody from the outside world these days that any chance I get in this pandemic to sign on and see anybody's face, 
I be trying to give protracted conversations and extending an elongated explanation. Don't ask me no questions because I'm not coming up for air for about an hour. Why? Because we've been closed in and so socially distanced that the thing that was irritating me 10 months ago is the very thing I look forward to on a day-to-day -day basis when I look on my calendar and see I have a Zoom meeting. I go brush my teeth, wipe the sleep out of my eyes, put my good clothes on, sit down in front of the laptop and thank God that God can connect me to somebody. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. Let me sit down. What is God doing in your life that you attempted to sabotage this weekend because you're making idols out of life's irritations stop that manage them so that God can keep working powerfully in your life let me let me let me move to a close look look at what Samson does though he takes his thirst and goes straight to God rather than seeking to address it himself I applaud him for that I applaud him that even in his irritation he decides to pray here is the challenge though do you know how many of us veer off course and expend the little energy we have left because we have found it okay to live so thirsty and don't know what to do with it. Don't let being so thirsty. What are you talking about, past? Thirsty to be on top. Thirsty to be successful. Thirsty to have certain connections and to make big things happen. Thirsty to want to compete because you got to be first out the gate and you got to lap everybody around the track. Don't live so thirsty to be included in certain human affiliations. So, so, so thirsty to be able to compare what you have with what other people have. Don't live so thirsty that it makes you give away focus and strength and path and process. God is perfectly fine with you praying to him about your thirst and he will provide. He'll slake your thirst. It's what Jesus does. It's what Jesus does when from the cross he says the same thing. I thirst. Well, you should be thirsty after drinking the bitter cup of suffering you've had to drink from after absorbing the sins of the collective human academy and being beaten, dragged through courts and through city streets and up to the brow of a skull-shaped hill. You should be thirsty. And that cry wasn't one of weakness. It was one of spiritual defiance. I'm not going out thirsty when I'm connected to one who can slake my thirst with no trouble at all. And he does it for Jesus. He does it for Samson and he'll do it for you. You don't have to walk through life so thirsty. You don't have to walk through life trying to get acceptance by negotiating your own integrity away. You don't have to walk through life so thirsty for approval that you will now decline chasing the holiness of God in order to be included in the circle of people who could care less that you are tempted to sacrifice your very sanctification and anointing. Stop being so thirsty for attachment and attention so thirsty that you give away your dreams and stop chasing your vision and stop going for your goals. Jesus can slake your thirst and that's why the Bible says when Samson praise God decides to show him how he can slake a human's thirst and he splits open a hollow place in a place called Lehi the Bible says God splits the dry place and from it he creates a fountain or a spring and I think no matter where you are whether it's the living room the kitchen the car or your work cubicle you just missed your opportunity to shout because that was so strong let me say it again Samson is in a dry place he's focused on minor irritations He's trying to ignore his internal major agitations and it's almost about to cost him his life. But Samson does decide to pray, even if it's to attempt to indict God. God, I can't believe after all these victories, you're going to let me drop dead out here first. And God has to remind him, you coming to me with these minor irritations, that's nothing. You got stuff going on inside of you that I got to rectify. I'm trying to sanctify you in your inner being so you can stop sabotaging your own destiny and future but just to show you 
that I can supply all of your needs. I'm sorry, y'all. I only get to preach once a week now, so I don't know if you got anywhere to go, but I feel like preaching myself happy today. I said because God wants to show us that he can supply our every need. Here's what God does. He takes his omnipotent hand and he reaches down over the balcony of eternity and he smotes the dry place and splits the rock and makes a fountain gush right there in a dry place. Somebody ought to receive that because I just see, see, turn a dry place into an ever-flowing spring and that's why you don't have to be so thirsty in life because the God you serve can turn what seems to be a dry and hollow place or a dry and hollow experience or a dry and hollow season and from it he can let you drink until you can't stand anymore can he do it I'm trying to sit down I promise I'm done but this is why John says in chapter 7 down around verse 37 if anybody finds him or herself thirsty tell him to come to me and I'll give him drink scripture says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied and the psalmist says he satisfies a thirsty soul and fills it with what is good I pray to the Lord that you have a blessed a strong and a powerful week but can I tell you you can't stop life from dehydrating you you can't stop life from disappointing you you can't stop life from draining you because I promise you if you're trying to live I'm talking about if you're trying to walk by faith and not by sight then life is going to disappoint life is going to dehydrate and life is going to drain but if you chase life it's gonna make you thirsty until I agree with Martin Lord Jones who says the most vital question we've got to ask ourselves if we are truly Christians we've got to ask ourselves has our soul only first for God and is our lives centered in Jesus and do we press forward more and more that we might know him that's what you're to be thirsty for forget that you that you serve a God who can slick your thirst forget that you're always fighting what seems to be the uphill battle and instead decide that you're going to make the content of your prayer I'm not trying to find physical water I'm trying to find spiritual water and so Jesus if it be your will can you help me get to the spring the ever flowing fountain that never runs dry has anybody been there I can tell you I have after fighting foxes after battling armies after facing my own internal demons and feeling like my life was left out to die dehydrated in the desert places of life when I cried out to God and said it's me it's me oh Lord and I'm standing in the need of prayer I know it's not just my testimony I know somebody else can testify that if you pull up uh, to the fountain he'll let the fountain flow and he'll give you exactly what you need have I got any company here is there anybody here who doesn't mind testifying giving God the best praise you have that every time your life showed up empty God took the picture the ever-flowing fountain and poured upon your life the water of his word the water of his spirit the water of his presence I'm trying to quit but my soul to caught on fire so forget those things that are irritations behind you and press to those things that are major in front of you and tell somebody I'm pressing on the upward way new heights I'm gaining every day still praying as I onward bound 
Somebody help me close and say, Lord, plant my feet on solid ground. Say yeah. Don't don't let don't let minor irritations make you give in to the temptation to sabotage God's major blessings in your life. Every one of us knows we have lived in seasons and we know we've encountered people. They live so thirsty, you can't even give them enough compliments. You can't tell them they're gifted enough. You can't tell them they're bright enough. You can't tell them they're cute enough. You can't tell them they're pretty enough because they're so thirsty. And they become so thirsty that no matter where, what slakes that thirst comes from, they gravitate towards it because they're guided by the thirst even when it's not the truth. Jesus says, when life makes you that thirsty, you, you talk to me about it so that I can prove to you it's an irritation. It's just a minor irritation. It's a signal to you that you need to sit down and let me minister to you on the inside. Can I tell you, and this might seem so minor as an illustration, but when you start fussing at your kids and you're biting at your coworkers, your employees, your employer, when every red light irritates you, when you wake up in the morning and you're mad and you haven't even talked to anybody yet, you haven't even talked to God yet and you're already mad, let me tell you, it's a signal. And it's a signal that you need to sit down and let God minister to you. When somebody asks you how you're doing and you can't come up with one positive thing to say, when you describe yourself and everything about your description is negative, nothing is positive, let me tell you, it's a signal that something is happening inside of you. Sit down somewhere and let God minister to you because he didn't save you to walk around always on the brink of being sabotaged by life's minor irritations. Anytime not having money can turn you into a complete monster. Or anytime having to social distance and wear a mask and have to deal with living in a country where it's a melting pot of multi-ethnicities, anytime it makes you climb the side of the Capitol building and storm a place decrying that you want to hang somebody, you need to sit down somewhere because God's trying to do something inside of y'all. Y'all listening to me? Because God can slake that thirst, but you got to trust that he will split the rock where he chooses and let the fountain flow based upon his own design. My brother, my sister, <clears throat> Wherever you are, I want to pray the prayer of salvation with you this weekend, and I want you to pray with me. In fact, literally, I want you to pray these words I pray. So bow your head where you are. I'm going to do the same, and I want you to utter this prayer with me. God, I come in Jesus' name, and I confess that I believe that Jesus is Lord. Come into my life and save me. Change me. I want to live for you, and I thank you that right now, that right now I, accept I accept the gift of salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. As the word of God says in the Gospels, did not our hearts burn as the man of God unfolded unto us the gospel of Jesus Christ? I told you he would be a blessing and he would be a preacher to be heard as well. We want to thank Dr. Curtis for sharing with us in the morning message. I certainly thank God for him and pray his continued success in the gospel ministry as well. 
I want to also thank the pastoral uh, anniversary committee and those who are responsible for making this weekend a very successful one for me. My family and I appreciate all that you have done. Thank you, Zion, for your generosity and for your expressions and for your patience and for your endurance and laboring with me as we continue to do kingdom building for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Continue to be blessed as we move forward in the kingdom of God. I love you guys. Always remember God loves you and so do I. Have a blessed, wonderful week in the Lord.